humble yourself to the point of death. You've been given a name above every name, Jesus. That it's your name, Lord, everything should bow, every knee should bow, Lord. We thank you, God, that you left heaven for our heart, God. Come on, just put your hand on your heart right now. Lord, I thank you for your love. Just, just repeat after me. Lord, I thank you for your love. Perfect love cast out fear. Cast out doubt. Cast out shame. Cast out anger. I give you my heart, Lord. I trust you with it today. In Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. 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 Give him one last shout of praise. If you trust him with your heart today. Man, he's the only one that fully knows us and still loves us. Aren't you thankful? And maybe your spouse, but that goes on and off, right? Uh, look at somebody before you grab your seat or as you're seated and say, you look good today. And every week you look better. I don't know how you do it. Every week. I don't know how y'all do it. Y'all look all good at church. Come on, 1030. Y'all should be rested up today. It's really 1130. And so uh, maybe y'all blew that going to bed last night and I counted that hour and so you didn't go to bed until 1.30 or whatever, 2.30, 3.30, We're going to pray for some of y'all that stayed up past 2.30. I know what y'all were doing. And so um, <laughs> my mom used to always say, nothing happens good after midnight. You know what I mean? Uh, but we're, we're going to jump into the word today. And uh, it is great to be at Transformation Church with you guys. I'm believing God has been changing lives. Last week, we had about 13 people give their life to Christ. Come on. 13 family members saying yes to eternity. And um, we had a, uh, just this service, what a special service last week, just praying for people, seeing miracles happen. We heard stories about miracles right after this service. And, and so I'm just so thankful for your heart of expectation and, and just a church that's open to transformation that wants God to continue to, to do work in our life. And so uh, we're going to jump into November. And I, I said it last week, God just put this scripture on my heart uh, out of numbers. And I believe that um, the theme for this season all through November and then to the beginning of De December is a theme theme of we are well able. Everybody say it. We are well able. The enemy wants you to think that you're not able, that you can't do it. And, and um, we're going to look at some verses out of Numbers uh, chapter 13 with God's people. And that's where we get this statement of we are well able. Um, I think it's very important that God would give us vision. So this whole entire month of November, I'm going to be preaching and just teaching on vision and uh, what vision means in the kingdom and, and looking at some examples of people that didn't have the right vision and some that did. And uh, I believe God has a vision for you and your family, uh, your, your schooling, your work, your dreams, your business. God has a promise and a vision for you. He has a pr promise and a vision for our church and uh, for my life and for us as a family, as a, as a church together. And um, I want us to enter into all of that. And so November 17th, I'll actually give out our vision commitment card every year. Uh, our vision month is November, and then we have a vision commitment card. I'm going to ask you to pray over that. You'll see some of the vision initiatives uh, November 17th, just what we're praying about as a team, where we're headed as a church. Uh, we got vision for 2020 and what God, we believe, is saying. And so uh, the 17th, you'll get that card, and then we'll give you three weeks. We're just going to pray over those cards together for about three weeks. And then every year, first or second week of December, we have a vision uh, offering Sunday where we receive an offering for the next year's vision. And so those are offerings above and beyond our tithe. We have about 80 people on our vision partner team uh, that are committed to giving above the tithe to funding the vision for the next year. And so um, it's an amazing just heart of generosity that you guys show. And uh, God's truly changing lives every week and reaching our city. And uh, we're not done yet. Come on, everybody say we are well able. So, so let's look at numbers. Uh, the backdrop of Numbers 13 
um, is Moses bringing God's people, obviously, out of Egypt. They've been in slavery. Uh, they've come out of Egypt. Now they've gone to Mount Sinai. They went <clears throat> from Egypt to Mount Sinai. They're at Mount Sinai, and they're there, many believe, for about 300 days or 380 days. Uh, basically, for about 95 days, Moses was going up and down the mountain talking to God, getting the tablets. And then for about 205 days, they were working on the tabernacle, getting supplies, getting lumber and the wood and the gold and getting all that to build the tabernacle uh, that would be the dwelling place of God in the wilderness. And so some say it's 380 days. I don't, I don't know, 300, 380. And then from the time they left Sinai to the time they got to the edge of the promised land was 40 days. And then the spies went into uh, the promised land to spy out the promised land for 40 days. 40 is always a sign of testing, sign of testing your faith. And so these spies went in and God tested their faith for 40 days. 10, 12 went in, 10 saw things wrong, two saw things right. And uh, it affected the entire uh, church of the Old Testament. And so we're going to pick up uh, in chapter 13. They had just quit grumbling and complaining. And now God, they were upset about eating manna. Come on, bread from heaven every day. They were tired of it. Y'all, you know, it's like eating Chipotle every day. You know, my kids want to eat it all the time. And I like it too. But sometimes you're just like, ah, Chipotle again. Somebody calls it Chipotle. They told me it's called Chipotle. So I changed the name of restaurants to act like we're going somewhere different. But so they're complaining about the food. Chapter 13 picks up and God's trying to get them into the land and has a promise for them on the edge of this destiny of, their, of God's people. And I believe God has a promise for you, uh, a purpose for you, and something to enter into this year uh, that you might have been praying for. Maybe you don't even know it yet, but God has it for you. So let's pick up in verse 1, chapter 13. I'm going to do a lot of reading, and then I'm going to give you a, a theme for the day. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. And from each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a man, a leader among them. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way to the south and go to the mountains and see the, what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Come on, God already said, I'm going to give you a good land. I'm going to give you a land with milk and honey. And Moses says, go and see if it's a good or bad land, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there's forests or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So when they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath, then they came to the valley of Eschol and they cut down a branch with a cluster of grapes. They carried it between two with them on two poles. It was these giant grapes they carried. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eschol because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back the word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. It's what God said. And this is the fruit. Nevertheless, probably the most darkest statement and the saddest statement, one of the darkest days that, that ensued from this one word. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell down by the sea. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted all the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. He's like, let's go. All my pastor friends, they, a lot of times they'll be like, let's go. And I didn't, I'm like, I just started saying it because I thought it was cool. Like, let's go. Show up and get ready to eat. Let's go. You know, whatever. Let's go. And then I'm reading this. I'm like, that's been the Bible. <laughs> let's go. You know, it's biblical, man. 
I don't know, just let's go. Like there's an urgency, like let's go. Let's go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able. So often it's like we can't do it and we don't know and we're, we are well able. But the men who had gone up with him said, here's the 10 spies, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they, get, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom saw in it were, were, were men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and, and, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Verse 14, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and began to cry, and the people wept, and we can't do it. The children of Israel complained against the leaders, Moses and Aaron. We need new pastors because they want to do a vision offering this year. And, I, and the whole congregation said, only if we die in the land of Egypt, and only I can't do it, and our kids are going to die, and we're going to die. <laughs> it was like the biggest pity party you've ever seen in the Bible, man. It had been better if we had gone to, to die in the desert. It would be better if we returned to Egypt. Like, so they said to one another, let us select another leader, another pastor. Let's get a new pastor and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron. Come on, aren't you thankful I won't let you stay in Egypt? Come on. Some of y'all might not. Some of it's not comfortable all the time, but I, I just, I'm not going to stay in Egypt. My wife won't let me stay there. Come on, baby. I love you. Thank you for not letting me stay in Egypt. And, uh, and I'm not going to let you stay in Egypt. You can go to a lot of churches and stay in Egypt and do your little thing, but I, we're not going to stay in Egypt here. Yeah. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the Lord in the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joseph, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Come on, somebody. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, stone them with stones. <laughs> it's a good transition. And now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. The theme today or thought today is the power of packaging, the power of packaging. Let me pray with you real quick. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that we could step into all you have for us this year. We could see it rightly so we could have it right, Lord. Help us to have vision this year like never before. Thank you for what you're saying and the package you've presented it to us in. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are well able. The power of packaging. I've got one of my favorite cookies up here. I haven't eating them in a long time, but this is a promised land cookie flowing with milk and Oreos, milk and cream. And uh, many of you uh, are, you know, lusting right now. I get it. Um, but uh, the marketing companies used to not think that packaging was a big deal. They used to think that packaging was kind of a, a side effect or a side thought. Like there was no power in packaging. There's called a marketing mix now. And there's about five P's in that marketing mix. There's, there's product. There's, there's pricing. There, 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 you know, but then one of the big ones is, is packaging. It's one of the five big, uh, big P's in marketing. Packaging. And what they understand is there's this, there's this visual marketing element that if you can see it right, if you can get a picture of it in the package, you'll want it. You'll want to buy it. You'll buy into it. And so 
this package is amazing. Uh, if I had this package on the shelf, it's got Oreos in it. There's some in there. You're going to walk by this package and be like, what, who left their nasty lunch on the shelf at Kroger? You're not, you would never buy this. Even though it's got the same contents, even though it has the same ingredients, even though everything inside of it, you wouldn't get it because of the package. You would not buy into it. This package has been designed for you to buy into it. There's a beautiful cookie on the front of the cover. It's got milk. It's got cookie. It's got everything. The marketing companies, they do not put their products on the shelves even with the back of the package showing. They don't do it on purpose. They want you to see the right picture. They want you to have the right picture. They want you to have the right vision. They don't put this. They don't want you to try to read the fine print ingredients that will kill you that you can't pronounce. They, they, don't, they don't want you to try. They don't want you to look at the calorie content. Come on, I'm like the health guy that looks at the calorie content. My kids see the picture like, we want a cookie. Come on, get cookies, daddy. You know, come on, mama buy them, get cookies, get cookies. We want cookies. They see the cookie and they're all in. I'm the guy that as they're eating the cookie, I'm telling them the calorie count. There's 7,000 calories in what you just ate. Nothing says I kill fun like counting calories while someone's eating the cookie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, you're the fun, I'm this fun killer sometimes. Like, I'm like, you know, you know what you're eating? Do you know what the back of the bag says? And like, I'm looking at all this and my kids just see this picture. Listen to me. God's trying to show you a picture of the promise he has for you this year. He's got this visual marketing where he's saying, look, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. It's a prosperous land. It's a blessed land. And you see the picture and you start to buy in, but then you flip and you begin to look at all the peripheral things besides the promise of God. God never intended for them to look at all the peripherals. I, I, I kill my kids' fun when they're eating the cookie. When I'm looking at all the peripherals of the cookie, I'm looking at all the things on the exterior. That's what happened. I think, I think Moses kind of blew it. God said, go in, and, and, and there's a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give it to you. Go possess it. Spy it out. M Moses said, God said, spy out the land. Moses goes in and tells the spies, hey, go in and spy out the land and see if it's a good land. See if there's giants. See if they have weapons. See if they're in tents or have walls. See, see, this, see if there's wood. See if there's fruit. God never said go in and look at all the peripherals. God said go in and look at the promise. Moses starts telling them to look at all the peripherals, and they go out, and they begin to look at the, bag, the back of the bag. They look at the wrong picture, and they all lose the promise because they look at the wrong things. Two of them saw the right things. And I think for us, there's a picture of, that God has for us this year. There's a land that he has for you, your family, your business, your direction. And it would be real easy to see the promise and hear what God's saying, but then go, wait a minute, the giants are too big. The calories are too great. The ingredients aren't just right. Man, if I eat that cookie, I'm going to have to get on the treadmill and do a lot of hard work. Come on, we can eat some pie at Christmas, somebody. Y'all ready? Come on, Thanksgiving. I mean, I've said it, pumpkin pie is a vegetable, so don't worry about it. Sweet potato pie is a vegetable. Just eat it, right? Nothing says I hate my family like I'm the guy that won't eat the pie. <laughs> Come on. You can work out. A lot of times we don't want to do the hard work, and so we miss out on what the promise is that God has for us. But I want to encourage you. God's got a promise for you, and we have to see it right. God's packaged it up. He's telling some things to you. Twelve guys saw it. Twelve guys saw the same thing, but only two saw the God thing. Come on, they all saw the same thing. They all saw the land, but two, two were looking at the God thing, and ten were looking at the peripherals and reading the calories and killing everybody's fun because God said, I'm going to give you land flowing with milk and honey. There is a vision. There is a direction. There is a promise for you, for your spouse, for your children, for your business, for your schooling, for your idea, for your blessing, for your dream. There, God has that for us this year. For our church, there's more territory to take. 
There's more seats to fill. There's more people to populate heaven this year than ever before. And we've got to make sure we continue to have the right vision and see things right. Ten saw all the problems. Two saw all the promises. Write this down. The promises of God outweigh the problems of man. And I don't know what problems you've been facing or what you've been fearing or what problems are real and exist. There's real problems. But I'm telling you, the promises God has given you outweigh the problems that you've been counting up and adding up. I've got to have the right vision. You've got to have the right vision. I'm 44 years old. I turned 45 in January. Come on, somebody. I know uh, that um, I'm aging well. Come on. That's why I went vegan and uh, trying to save my life and, and live longer. But um, I thought going vegan, something happened to me uh, because at 44, a few months ago, I don't know, out of the blue, everything started getting blurry as I read my phone. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I got some vitamin deficiencies. I've had 20-20 vision my whole life. I'm like, and I didn't really tell anybody. And then my wife, I'm starting to look at my phone here. My wife looks at me. I said, man, I can't, I can't read it. She's like, oh, you need readers. I'm like, I need what? She's like, I'm like, what, is, what are readers? She's like, they're glasses, honey. I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I'm like, I had 20-20, girl, hold on. I've been had 20, my whole, my whole life. I'm praying over my eyes, you know. <laughs> Vitamin deficient. It's veganism, you know. I'm looking... And, uh, and she goes, here, try these, and hands me these little things, and I, and I, <laughs> I put them on, and I'm like, oh, I mean, like, heaven parts, you know, I'm like, how in the world, I'm like, and I'm like, no, take them off, I'm like, take those back, I'm still in denial, I'm like, everything up close is blurry, but everything out there I can see, I'm reading my phone out here, I'm fine, I'm like, this is biblical vision, baby, and I told her, I can see, I'm far-sighted. listen to me, it is, up close, nearsighted people see everything up close clearly, but everything in the distance is blurry. Come on, everything up close sometimes with our own schedule and our own savings and our own plan and our own job and our own kids and our own comfort and all that, and maybe our own hurts and our own offenses and our own strife and our own slights, they're all very clear up close, but other people's pain and other people's problems and other people in the hospital and other people in prisons and those that Jesus told us to visit and those that he said clothed, it's all blurry out there. And I'm determined as a church that we can never be a nearsighted church can never be a nearsighted people of God. Like, we've got to see it accurately and go, God, what are you saying? What's out there for our church? What do you have for a vision for this next year? Vision for your life is so important. 80 to 90% of all that you know comes from the sense of vision. Scientists have proven it. 80 to 90%, five senses, but 80 to 90% come from the, from the sense of vision. It's the same in your walk with God this year. Like the majority of your walk with God and my walk with God comes from what I can see in God, what kind of vision I have for my life and for our church and for the kingdom and where he's taking us. All the spies saw the same thing. 10 said we are unable. Two said we are well able. Write this down. It's not what we see that matters. Come on, whatever you're seeing right now, but it's how we see it that matters. It's not what you see that matters. Come on, you're going to see the same problems others see, but it's how you see them. It's perspective. I'm praying for the right perspective for me this year, this entire year with what God wants. If my God is a small God, my problems are big problems. If my God is a big God, my problems are small problems. It's all about how you see God. And here's the question. How big is your vision of God going into this next year? How big is your vision of your problems or how big is your vision of God? Doctors have proven that the left and right side of our brain are totally different functions. The right side of our brain is all about the visualization and visualizing. They have proven that most achievement comes from the right side of being able to visualize. 
The left side is where you learn. It's your, it's your, it's your, able, your ability to think. It's your, your reasoning and your memorization. And we work very hard on that in school, memorizing and reasoning and logic. And, and that's where we can think. But the right side is able to know. The left side is able to think. The right side is able to know. And you'll never have anything of achievement worth, worth what God wants you to have until you can visualize it. You'll never have the good marriage until you can see it. You'll never have the dream until you can see it. You'll never complete that, that school degree until you can see it. And then once you can see it, then you can begin to think your way and study your way and work your way into what you've already seen. Are y'all with me in that? Come on, Ray. You saw your insurance agency before you ever had it. You were telling me about your insurance agency back here in my office before it was ever even open, right? You had this vision and this dream. You were in pharmaceuticals and you were in another job. You said, man, I don't want to be working for these people. I want to have my own business one day. And, and one day I can see this and it's going to be in this area. And you began to visualize. You've got to begin to visualize and see what God's saying to you. And then God will begin to work out how he gives it to you and how you step into it and see it come a part of your life. I believe there's victory. These people were poised for victory. They were on the edge of God's promise. God said, go in and take it. And they couldn't take it because they couldn't see it. And I'm determined, my life, your life this year, I pray that we could see it and that we could get our vision right. Here's four things we're all gonna face, four things they faced, four things that they actually let kill their faith and let kill the faith of the entire community when they went after the promise. And we'll have to face these and, and handle them right to take our promises this year. Number one, they faced fear. They faced fear. Numbers 13, 28. Nevertheless, come on, God said, it's a great land. It's amazing. They said, nevertheless. They said, but, it's great, but the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified very large and they're huge descendants. They're like, but. God is like, it's good, it's good, it's good. You can have a good marriage. You can have a good business. It's good. I've got a, a promise for you. You can complete school. You can go back to work. You can get off drugs. You can get free. You can quit cheating. You can be free. You can, I love you right where you are. I love you right where you are. There's no judgment. I love you, but you can be free. You can live different. You are well able, but. And I just said this to the first service. God's tired of our big butts. Sometimes we have such huge butts with God. It's like he's told us. I mean, think about what they forgot about. He had brought them out of Egypt. He had delivered them from the Red Sea. He had done all these miracles for them. And now they're like, yeah, it's good, but. And they're afraid. Write this down. Fear comes from the wrong focus. Any fear in your life, it's because you're focused on the wrong thing. They didn't focus on all God's power, all God's promise and what he'd done. They focused on all the things that were, were the giants and the peripheral. They're reading the calories and not thinking about the cookie, somebody. I want the cookie this year. Y'all can tell I've been a vegan for a while. I'll be up here preaching with a steak next week, you know? I just, I think, I want to say, like, get your eyes on God like never before. If we're going to walk into what God has for us, you've got to put your eyes on God. If you fix your focus, you fix your faith. Your faith comes from what you're focused on. And so I've got to focus. You've got to focus on God this year. These things are progressive. So number one, they had fear. Fear leads to number two, exaggeration. All of a sudden, they began to exaggerate. But the men who had gone up with them were not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. They didn't know that. They never fought them yet. And they, say, and, they, and, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report in the land which they said, this, the land which we went have gone as spies, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. What? You just came out of there. Like, you just went and spied it out. You made it out. You're giving the report. You're saying it eats everybody up. It just, it's an exaggeration. It doesn't make sense. They said, oh, and the, all the inhabitants are giants. Well, really, all? Everybody was a giant there? 
and they saw us. And well, they were spies. They didn't see them. They were spying. Like, how, how did the giants see them? It says we were grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Like, they didn't really see them. They're just, they're going into this exaggeration. Look, the more they repeat the facts without God's promise, the worse and worse it gets. You ever been in that scenario where you, you're just repeating it and then God's been just repeating it and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden now fear is leading to this exaggeration and they're exaggerating everything. I was in the Bahamas years ago with my wife and we got wrecked by a tour boat guide. We were going about 50 miles an hour and the tide was low. He was a young driver and he, he ran the boat ashore. I mean, it was crazy. We're going about 50. We about all of us, there's about 12 of us on the boat. Kids, my wife and I, not our kids, but us and other little kids, other families. And we wreck and we hit the thing. And it's, thank God the boat didn't flip. And it throws us forward. And we come to a stop in about three feet of water. And, uh, and we're like, oh, that's crazy. I'm looking at the dude. I'm like, that was not intended. He's trying to play it off, you know. And, um, and so there's these two girls from California. And they were California girls with us. No offense. No, I'm not generalizing. Um, but they were wealthy California girls. They're about, they about 21 years old. They were on their little vacation together. They had matching Gucci sandals, Gucci bathing suits, Gucci bags, and Gucci, uh, Gucci tanning lotion, and Gucci sunglasses, and Gucci towels. And we wrecked. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, like, oh, yeah, right? Like, we wrecked. Right, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, oh my God. I mean, we just, they're like, what are we going to do? Oh my God. And, and then like, so the guys were out trying to push the boat off the, off the land and it's not going anywhere. It's like a 3000 pound boat, but we want something to do. We're going to push on some stuff. Come on, man. And so we're pushing, you know, and, and the ladies are in the boat. There's little sharks swimming around us, little nurse sharks. We're in three feet of water. And finally people, you know, we're there a while and this boat starts coming to have to rescue us. You can see the marina about a mile away. And, uh, and we've got, you know, we're hanging out and the two girls eventually like, it's been about an hour now and the two girls were like oh my god and finally the girl's like what we gotta get us get us back we're gonna die <laughs> I mean, and the kids start getting scared because these girls are freaking out like we're gonna die and i'm like listen like listen we're in three feet of water in paradise we can see the shore and we have a cooler full of beer and water we're fine <laughs> we're fine you know, I, I think, listen, you, you begin to exaggerate. Fear leads to exaggeration, and exaggeration just blows up. Write this down. Exaggeration is the fruit of poor vision. Exaggeration comes from poor vision in your life. You begin to exaggerate everything. They're exaggerating, and it gets worse and worse and worse, and then they see themselves different. They see themselves small. Exaggeration, number three, leads to distortion. You, you're distorted in how you see yourself in God. It says we are grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we are in theirs. Here's the enemy's job. The enemy wants to exaggerate every situation in your life to distort your picture of God, yourself, and your giants. And he uses those funhouse mirrors. Remember those? that make you look all short and squatty and fat. And he puts that in front of you. He puts that in front of God. And then he puts that mirror that makes your giants look really tall. And, like, Whoa. and it's not accurate. There's no accuracy in those mirrors, but he, want, he wants to get you afraid so you get this distortion in your life. And now distortion becomes part of your story. And you're like, man, I can never and I won't and I'm not enough. And the devil has a distortion for every season of your life. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. You'll, the business, you're trying to get it going. It'll never fly. It'll never fly. It'll never fly. And then once it does, you'll never keep it. You'll never keep it. You'll never keep it. You'll never keep it. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. No one likes you. No one likes you. No one likes you. No one loves you. No one loves you. No one loves you. No one, there's just a distortion. And he begins to put that into our minds so that we see differently. And he uses this 
this image that we see ourselves with sometimes. Listen, you will always be a reflection of how you see yourself. And if the, if the Son of God is shining on us, our reflection should be huge. Like, we should be the people that walk with our shoulders back, our head up, smile on our face. Like, I've got strength and confidence and boldness. God is on my side. I'm looking in the right mirror. When you're looking at the wrong mirror, your reflection is always off. But if you look in the Word of God, come on, you are a son or daughter of God. You are purpose. You are destined. You are beautiful. You're crowned with glory and honor and splendor. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Anything that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That's the heritage of the sons and daughters of God. Come on, everywhere your feet go shall be yours for the kingdom of God. Anything your hand touches is blessed. That's the right mirror. And all of a sudden, you begin to not be distorted, and the enemy can't distort who you are. There was a successful guy that did Broadway plays forever, and he got in prison before he became famous, and he was in prison for years for manslaughter. And when he came out and became famous on Broadway, they asked him in an interview one time, they said, how did you escape the scars of prison like most don't and go on to become famous? And he made one statement. He said, like the other inmates, I never decorated my cell. He had determined that he would never see his cell as home. And, and some of you have allowed the distortion of the picture of the enemy to be real in your life, and you've been hanging that picture everywhere, and you're decorating your thoughts and your heart and your life with a distortion. That's not who you are. Come on, don't let exaggeration lead to distortion, because then the next thing, they begin to complain. Distortion leads to complaining. This is probably one of the most dangerous ones. It says, they all began to lift their voices and cried out, and we're going to die, and I wish we had a different leader, and it's the boss's fault, and it's the pastor's fault, and it's my wife's fault, it's their fault, it's my husband's fault, and we should have died. And look what they say. They say, I wish we would have died in the desert, or then they go, let's get a new leader and go back to Egypt. Here's what complaining does. It makes you forget all that God's already done. And the danger is it drives you backwards into something that wasn't ever safe. They want to go back to slavery. Come on, why is it that sometimes we think our slavery was safe? How often do we think that slavery of yesterday was safer than today? Come on, we, listen. That's why I said we can't stay in Egypt. Like a lot of times we get in the burden. Here's what the, here's what the devil does. He, he makes you complain so you want to go backwards. He tells you this. He'll tell you that the slavery of your past sin was actually safe. So then you begin to say, well, you know what? When I used to sleep with everything I wanted, like I wasn't lonely. Yeah, you were. You were lonely in your soul. When I used to cheat to get ahead and do my business this way and not actually be on the up and up, I had more. Uh, yeah, but you were empty on the inside. When I used to keep these hurts and these bitterness and I was in prison but I was angry but I had control yeah but you really didn't have control right it's not safe back there and the enemy wants to tell you that the burdens of yesterday were a blessing listen to me he wants to tell you that the burdens of your yesterday were a blessing to keep you from fighting for your future and there's a, there's, a, there's a future worth fighting for. There's a vision with our church. There's a vision with your life. And I want to fight forward. Come on, I'm well able. You are well able. We are well able to take ground this year. Y'all with me in that? I don't think we can give in to complaining. They all, they all start complaining. They couldn't see it right. They had the wrong perspective. And they were assigned. Listen to this. They died in the place they complained. All of your vision in God will die in the place you complain. Come on, I'm telling you, it's serious. Sometimes we overlook it, but the reality is if you, get, if you begin to go there, the vision you have shrivels up and dies. 
And look what happened. I'm not saying you're not forgiven. God forgave all of them, but they wandered for 37 years in the desert and all died never getting the promise. Listen to me. There's a lot of Christians that are forgiven, but wandering. I do not want to be a saved wanderer. The whole point of salvation was that I could have a purpose and a destiny. That's what's beautiful about the local church. We have our individual lives, but when we attach to a vision that's bigger than ourselves, we don't wander any longer. We're farsighted. We can see the things of God and the purpose of God and the direction of God. We can get connected to each other and have a purpose, not just wandering to our day-to-day business and our day-to-day concerns. It gives us this bigger perspective. And I think there has to be an urgency about it. So I want to encourage you this next month with whatever it is for you, that you would decide, like, I'm not going to wander. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a vision. I'm not going to let intimidation and fear and, and, and distortion get me to a place of complaining to back me up. Here, here's what they did. I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one, how did they do it? Joshua and Caleb, the two, they received God's promise beforehand. They received the cookies and not worrying about the calories. We're going to talk about the calories next week. But they received the cookies. God said, behold, go spy the land I am giving you, not I will give you. He's already given it to you. You're fighting from victory, not for victory. Every battle you're going to fight this year is already won. You just have to be willing to believe and go in and take it. So first, you've got to receive the promise of God. Number two, they relied on God's power, not your own power. In the Lord, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to network. You don't have to work at all. And you just have to stay faithful and keep believing God. And he will bring you into the land. Rely on his power. My son and I have been working out together. And, and he does bench press. And he'll be benching. And I'm spotting him. I'm like, I got you. But somehow he quits when he can't go anymore. But he doesn't like just like say, take it. He says, I'm done. Nope. And he just stops pushing. I'm like, dude, you're going to kill yourself. Like, don't. I got, I'm here. I'm, I got my power to help you get it up. He's like, you're going to drop it on my face. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm right here. And so he's learning that he's pushing, and I don't take the bar totally. He relies on my power. How? He's pushing. He's struggling. He's growing. He's fighting. He's pushing, struggling, growing, fighting. And then when he can't go anymore, I put my two fingers on it or my four fingers, and I just begin to put a little bit of my power into it, and he gets it up to the rack. Many of you are waiting on God's power by just letting the weight sit on the rack and you're saying, pick it up, God. Start benching it for me, Jesus. And it's not. His power is a partnership where you pick the weight up and you start going and you start pushing and you start growing and you start believing. And then God says, okay, now I'm going to get you into that promise of what it's called to be in your life. They received God's power and relied on God's power. And the last one, they recognized God's protection. This is this is what I'm done with. They recognized his protection. They said, look, their protection's gone. They're saying, is their protection's gone, but ours isn't. They were saying, they have everything but God. We have nothing but God. Come on, I'd rather be in that boat with nothing but God than everything but God. And they said, we can take the land. We are well able, two of them. Ten of them said we can't, and none of them did. Come on, this year, a year of vision. I'm believing that this next, we are well able. You're well able. Whatever the enemy's telling you, you can't do, you can get free. You can come out of isolation. You can come out of depression. You can make new friends. You can find hope. You can find purpose. You can find a family. God will do it for your life. Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you today. In the year 1640, a bunch of travelers came from from England they sailed west and landed on the landed on the coast northeast coast of America year one they formed the town site year two 
They formed a government. Government. Year three, the government planned and built a five-mile road leading westward from their town. Year four, all the people wanted to impeach the government because the government because they thought it was a public waste of funds to use those those monies to make a road five miles west to nowhere. So the people that were willing to travel. 3,000 miles over the ocean to see a vision fulfilled of a new location and a new dream that God had put in their heart now couldn't see any purpose in a five-mile road leading to nowhere west. Didn't think that anything could happen westward. Here's what had happened. Their vision stopped with their own dream. And I just want to pray that we're a church that's not going to be nearsighted, that that we won't let this stop with our own dream, that we won't let this stop with our own businesses or, or our own campus or our own, our own comforts, that like our vision goes beyond, like we're a far-sighted people. And I'm not gonna let God's vision stop with my dream. Like we've got children and generations that are relying on us to come into the shade of our obedience so that they can take ground for the kingdom of God. And we're a visionary people. We are not settlers, we're visionaries. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. We are well able. Lord, I pray for a we are well able spirit to hit every individual in this place, to hit my own life. There's many times that I exaggerate or I get distorted in who, who I am or the situation or, or many times I complain about it, God. And I know that sometimes vision dies when I complain. I pray, Lord, that I enter into a new season in my own life of I am well able, a new perspective this year like never before. Lord, I pray for our, our church, this family, that it would go to another level of family, another level of community, another level of urgency, like let's go, like we are well able. If you're in the room today, I want to pray for two things. Number one, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you'd say, Jamie, I need that we, I am well able spirit. Like I've had a wrong perspective. I always feel like I'm counting calories and, and killing the fun. And God's saying that like we can have the cookie. <laughs> like I, I just want to see the package right. I want to see things right for, for a change. I, I need the will, I am well able spirit. If that's you, I want to pray for you. No one looking around, put your hand up to me. If you say, I need a new perspective on some things this year. Come on, hands across this house. I need to visualize some things new. Come on, maybe it's a dream or something you want to see. Father, hands across the house, my hands up. Lord, give us the spirit, the faith spirit that we would focus on the right stuff, that we would see you in a new way, that we would rely on you to take us into the promises you have this next year. I pray that we'd be a far-sighted people. I pray every dream, every vision would come to pass. You did not bring us with our hands up this far to leave us, forsake us, or let us die. You did not give us this dream. If it wasn't you, we wouldn't see it or believe it, God. You put it in our heart. You put it in our minds. And we thank you that we're going to see it come to pass. We are well able, God. If you're in this place right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe you just know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you know you're not... You're not well able on your own and you need to give your life to God. Come on, on, on our own, we're nothing, but with him, we are well able. Maybe your, your thing is you think you can do it all by yourself, but you know today you're not. You can't. Maybe you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. Jesus did not come to this planet to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Maybe today you're ready for, for life, real life and eternal life. No one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. But if you'd say, you know what, Jamie, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need Christ in my life. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to fix yourself. Come on, you're not well able to do that. He's the only one that's well able. He went to a tree, died on a cross, removed all of our sin, all of our mistakes, our shame, our failure, our regret, took it all, put it on a tree, killed himself on a tree for us. 
And then he rose from the dead to make you and I well able, to give us a brand new heart and to give us the actual life of God. Not religion, not church, not rules, but the power and life of God. If you're in this place today and you say, Jamie, I need the life of God. I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I need him. On three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. One, two, three. Just put your hand up to me right now. I need a fresh start with God. Come on, God bless you. Anybody else? I need a fresh start with God. Just put it high so I can pray for you and see it. I need to give my life and surrender my life. Come on, God bless you, young man. Thank you for your boldness. God bless you, young lady. Come on, church, pray. If you're here, God bless you in the back right there. Come on, people across the room. People saying yes to eternity. Come on, this is the most important moment. Thank you, God, for paving the way for eternity for us. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you put your hand up, just pray these words with me or pray your own words. It's as simple as praying and asking Christ into your life. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for being well able to take all my sin and all my shame and all my regret. And thank you for raising from the dead and giving me your life today. I receive your life. You are my Lord and you're my leader. And I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. I'm so proud of those of you that raised your hand and said yes to God like that. Thank you for being a visionary church. Real quick, before you slip out.